Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Bob Varsha, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio, Speed City. Good afternoon, gearheads. Welcome to Speed City F1 on Series XM for your Brazil Grand Prix post-sprint show. This is John Massengale. I'm in the studio in Austin, Texas, and I'm joined by Bob Varsha, and Bob's in his studio in Atlanta. Bob, that was a pretty good little sprint race, wasn't it? Oh, absolutely. It's fun to see these guys really kind of let it all hang out. Granted, the tires took a pounding. But uh, other than Verstappen clearing off, I was amazed at how much Norris was able to gain over uh, third place, Chaco Perez, but he had to work his way up from fifth or sixth. So um, Russell, Leclerc, Sonoda, Hamilton, Sainz, Ricardo. Yeah, it was great. Passing, repassing, good close quarters competition. Man, there was. There was lots of passing up and down all the way, I mean, all the way down to about 10th, 12th, 13th position. But Really, the yeah. story, you know, the story of this was Lando Norris starting on on the on pole and not being able to hold off Max at the beginning. And we just heard from both those guys. And Lando yeah. was talking. He was talking about he said he didn't have um, any wheel spin. But I was just looking at the reaction times. Norris was point two nine and Verstappen was point one five. So okay. that that's Sorry. a pretty pretty dramatic difference and also yeah the zero to a hundred though i mean excuse me zero to 200 norris showed 499 versus 511 for verstappen but that reaction time getting that jump right off the bat um and i did hear norris also say he was being a little conservative so but to me that was that was really the story of the race i was you know really wondering if lando could hold off max but couldn't hold well, him off even the, at the beginning I was a little disappointed, too. Like you, um, I thought Lando really had him. And he didn't use a nice, aggressive push across the racetrack to to claim the spot. He might have lost it further down the road. But, um, you know, it would have sent a message to Verstappen that he was going to be in a fight. And, uh, you know, it's, um, I don't know, you know, it was a whole shot win, I guess you'd say. Max Verstappen just, you know, shot out of a gun, took the lead. And cleared off. There's not much more you could say about it. We've seen it time and again this year. Um, but still, I mean, good battling further back. I was a little disappointed to see, you know, some of the teams that have been, you know, back markers all year long, watching the Haas cars and the Williams cars and the Alfa Romeo cars, all, you know, pair by pair by pair um, down at the bottom of the list. They just kind of sank so quickly i was a bit surprised by that but um you know everybody else kind of got the uh the bit between their teeth and had a had a, a great fight yeah and you know norris also admitted in that interview that he uh he was caught sleeping by by uh russell at the beginning a little bit because he lost that position but it was yeah. interesting how he was able to pull away both really he and max kind of got into their own race a little bit and then until max started pull away mm -hmm. but well man, yeah, they did. I mean, it's we talk about it all the time during races. You say if you're if you're the guy out front, the guys behind you are fighting among themselves. That's your opportunity to scoot, and uh, you know that's what we saw. I think Norris finally was so focused on Max that Max, you might even say, helped Norris pull away. Meanwhile, Perez was trying to fight his way through, um, and he eventually got there. But he was what nine seconds behind 
um, Norris by the time he finally got into clear air. So at least it didn't rain the way it did yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Holy moly. Man, that storm that came in was crazy yesterday. The, oh. the I saw video of a fan video of like uh, the roofs being torn off of the, uh, right. the grandstand covers the and, yeah. and and the the uh, the skies went so dark right at the end there. I mean, it was yeah. it looked like nighttime. It really was biblical looking. And uh, <laughs> that was impressive. I'm glad the TV cameras gave us a chance to watch that storm roll in. And it's kind of ironic because remember the, the the sessions were late getting started yesterday. So had they run on time, it all would have been done by the time the skies opened. But, you know, this is the way it worked out. So guys weren't able to get that last lap in. Certainly Sergio Perez suffered for it. Oscar Piastri suffered for it. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, it is what it is. And tomorrow they'll take their positions and we'll go 71 laps. And that's going to be an all-day sucker for these guys, especially if it's as warm tomorrow as it was there today. Yeah. And um, I I was thinking about yesterday, too, how, you know, I know there was some timing involved, but clearly the Aston Martins were have got something a little better than they have because Lance Stroll, with a, a bit of luck, finishing in uh third yesterday and yep. um in qualifying and then you know right in front of his teammate alonzo which he hadn't done much of this year but they both look good today too yeah they did um and that's good to see because alonzo was so downcast you know mexico city was a wipeout for them uh and then this weekend um you know it just didn't look like anything was going to go anywhere for the aston martin team but they managed to get it going and they're working under this cloud. The, the rumor mill is operating at 10 tenths this weekend. Stories about Alonzo going to Red Bull, which have been roundly denied. Um, Aston Martin being sold because Lawrence Stroll's getting tired of it all and doesn't want to fire his own son going forward. You know, there's it's just that time of year where people are looking at things to to talk about. And um, it's nice that, that uh, Alonzo was able to get out there and be competitive and mix it up with those guys. That'll certainly help him tomorrow. I think when everybody really, you know, has tires, if they have tires, I think that might wind up being a problem tomorrow based on um, the fact that everybody was on the softs today, except for three or four drivers, including both Haas drivers and being on the mediums didn't help them at all. So um, we'll have to see who has how much of their allotment left for a two-stop race on Sunday. Yeah. And if you're wondering about Chris Medlin today, he is, he's actually not in uh, Sao Paulo. He's going to be joining us. He's, he's juggling multiple roles today. He's doing lots of writing for, of course, F1.com, racer.com, motorsport magazine. So he's doing all that, but he's going to try to join us on the show today. And uh, Jonathan is actually, Jonathan Green is out at Coda. He is doing Formula Three, the FR regionals. He's doing Formula Four. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Creating mayhem, and he's doing uh, the vintage racing. He said they had 700 cars out at Circuit of the Americas. 700, what? yes. <laughs> and and wow. also on top of all that, doing Trans Am. So he's he's not going to be able to join us. We're going to try to uh, get a couple of segments for him for tomorrow's shows, but but he's not going to be with us. But but tr Chris is going to try to join us here today. But hey, Bob, what about the AlphaTauri cars today, battling with? Ferraris and Mercedes. I mean, that that was yeah. impressive, wasn't it? 
yeah, Yuki Sonoda suddenly is, you know, is on fire again. And uh, Danny Rick, Daniel Ricardo is is driving really well again. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, because Ricardo qualified terribly. He's back around 17th or something. And um, he said afterward with his typical smile that uh, that was not a very representative run for them in qualifying, that they have more and they'll show it in the race. And I hope he's right. Well, look at Sonoda today. I mean, yeah. Passing Hamilton, it was, you know, mm-hmm. uh, towards right towards the end of the race, I think it was like lap 20 or 21. And that was impressive. I mean, I think yeah. a lot of that has to do, well, actually, Max said it best, right, in his post-race interview, where he's talking about tire deg here at Interlagos mm-hmm. is just something. He said, they can't, he said, you just can't run flat out. And I yeah. think that whatever <clears throat> it was, Maybe the Mercedes was having a little more trouble and the Alpha Tari, believe it or not, was managing the tire deg a little better because Sonoda got him and finished sixth and Ricardo finished ninth. Really very impressive. Yeah. And um, I think I think you've hit exactly the point. I think the Mercedes is a little bit harder on its tires. God knows they've changed the concept of that car so many times this year, trying to reverse a lousy start to the season. Um and at the same time, AlphaTauri uses the same equipment as uh, from Red Bull Technologies um, <laughs> that the A team is using. So it's no surprise, really, that they would, you know, some of that Adrian Newey mojo would kind of filter down to the AlphaTauri team as well. Yeah, a thought just went through my head, and that is, I think today was a pretty good example of the kind of action we might see if we threw the tire rules out the window. Unlimited yeah. tires. Put whatever you want on the car, change as often as you need to, um, you know, fuel up to go the distance and and have at it, boys. I think that might be a pretty interesting show and uh, and might, you know, upset the balance of power a little bit in the pit lane to see that some teams coming forward, you know, with no cares at all regarding tire life, uh, you know, might be able to be a little bit more competitive. Okay, I'm going to just clip that up, what you just said, and put it out there okay. on, on Twitter, Bob, and we'll see if the world agrees, because I like that uh, I, I like that kind of uh, out-of-the-box thinking there. Just throw out the throw out the tire rules and see what we can do. But, but, you know, also, I think, you correct me if I'm wrong, if you agree with this one, Interlagos, okay. you know, we, Interlagos, you had a beautiful day out there. You had a little bit of wind, too, which can shake things up a little, but... But you had a beautiful day. It's a old school special track, you know, maybe just a little extra bit of excitement going on. Mm-hmm. And, and you could see that with all those battles way up and down. So uh, maybe some of that, too, huh? Yeah, I'd forgotten how short the uh, Interlagos track is. It's only like two point six miles, yeah. which is uh, which I'd forgotten entirely. So the you know, the laps go quickly. The temptation, I think, is probably to drive a little bit harder. And um, it's old. It's really old. Hasn't been repaved in a long time. Although it looks like they are doing construction out there from the pictures. Uh, I see they've done a new deal through 2030. So Formula One will be going to Brazil for a long time to come. But uh, I'm sure pressure is being put by uh, Formula One management on the track to, um, you know, to up its game, like all the racetracks are expected to these days. You can see that there's construction going on. I think that that construction had something to do with the punctures that Fernando Alonso and Lewis Hamilton had yesterday, yeah. on Friday. 
Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, that's something the teams can't afford is to have punctures because you've got what you've got in terms of tires. There's no joker tire. If you, you know, need to put a fourth one on your set, you got what you got. And, you know, if you ruin one set, even because you ruined one tire, that's the end for that set. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was wondering about that, that puncture Alonzo had yesterday. And yeah, um, I think it came from the construction nails, screws. Where are you going to find those sorts of things? Yeah. And you know what? I saw somebody on Twitter pointed it out and then I started looking for it. There was a plume of smoke at, you know, not. Yeah. That, did you notice that, too? It was outside the, yeah, in the sky. Yeah, yeah. It's like some sort of fire. It looked like I don't know. I never heard yeah. anything about that. Well, we never used to talk about it. And in television, they always used to tell us, don't show it. But just off the gosh, which end? I don't know which direction it is on the compass. But the uh, the end of the track opposite the pit lane, there's a huge landfill. I mean, it's a it's a, a dump by any other name. And I can remember standing out there on the infield on a on a summer's eve in uh, Sao Paulo, watching you know those methane burn off pipes that come up out of the ground, <laughs> and you know it looks like an oil refinery. There's just flames here, there, and everywhere. So I was so happy to see the TV pictures today, which showed. The actual lakes from which the track gets its Interlagos between the lakes name uh, look beautiful. And, uh, you know, there's lots of foliage and stuff to cover um, what is a pretty explosive looking landfill. But, you know, but there you have it. Yeah, who knows? Maybe that's what we were seeing. I, I, I never heard, never saw any explanation <laughs> about that. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> that looked like a serious fire for sure. Yeah. Uh, not an encouraging day today for the Haas team. Now, yesterday, they they both made it to you to Q, Q2, um, but didn't make it through to Q... They're actually slower in Q3, I noticed that, but I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what... You know, they were the only ones to bring any sort of upgrade. It was just a little front wing upgrade here. Right, And right. Uh, I don't know. I'm just really... I, I'm really disappointed with Haas right now. I just can't... They can't seem to get it figured out. Yeah. And, um, you know, I don't know what the problem is. You know, uh, we stood in the uh, garages in Austin, Texas, with our buddy Dave O'Neill and met all his old buddies with the Haas team. And, you know, they sound like they have great esprit de corps and good attitude, which you love to see. But, um, gosh, it's got to beat you down after a while that you're, you know, you, you even when you qualify well, as I said earlier, you know, you start to sag to the bottom of the, of the running order once the uh, race begins in earnest. Now we know, and, and Gunter Steiner has been very upfront about it, that team's car chews up its tires. It just really destroys its tires, perhaps quicker than any other car on the grid. Um, and, you know, that's a recipe for disaster, but, you know, they do what they can with it. Still, they seem to be making some progress in some areas. And, you know, you just hope they can put it together again sometime soon because they've done so much better earlier in their career than what we're seeing from them right now yeah all right well coming up after this uh got a couple more thoughts on um on the sprint race today and um uh, see if chris medley can join us as well but we will be back after a quick break all right we're still... what's that bob no, I'm just um, scanning down through the post-race stats. 
Lando Norris is now just seven points behind Alonso for fifth in the Ooh. Drivers' Championship. All right, we're still it's live on YouTube. Exciting. <laughs> Let me see who's out there today. TW's out there. Pretty good stuff. I tell you what. Yeah, it was. It was a pretty darn good race. Kevin okay. Kelly, very impressive show. Andy P. Brazil will always have a sprint for as long as they do it. That it just works there. Good, good show that. Yeah, Andy, that's mm -hmm. that's basically what I was saying. It's like I, I don't know if it's it's just a combination of the history there that you can feel, or just a great circuit and all that. A lot of mid pack action. TW says he thought there was going to be a big pileup. Yeah, I I kept waiting for that, but clean race. Kevin uh, Kevin Kelly says everybody was in DRS for a while. Andy P. There was one point where Orlando got to back within 1.1 behind and so close to getting DRS. And I saw that, Andy. I was watching that. And then Max. <laughs> and then a thought that pops in my head, TW says, Max was doing just enough to stay out of reach. Yeah, that's exactly what I yeah. was thinking. Yeah, we heard him talk about that on the radio with his engineer. You know, when can we go? When can we take off? When are we confident that we have enough tire under us to go flat out the rest of the way? And one of those typical Red Bull conversations, Jean-Pierre Lombiasi, his engineer, comes back and says, I've told you the last two or three laps, you've got enough tire. Let's go for it. <laughs> Love yeah. that stuff. Let's see what else is out there. <clears throat> NDP, regardless of which car he drives, I would <coughs> expect Daniel Ricciardo to have a pretty good car underneath him. That's really been a feel-good story lately, man, watching Daniel Ricciardo do well again. Yeah, I'd love to have heard from him after that race and you know, see what he thought of it. Because there was a lot of give and take there. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get our, our official F1 post-race interviews here. And we'll have those. Oh, really? Okay. No. <laughs> so what did you say, Casey, exactly? Hi, this is Karun Chandok, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. Go on, get a little out there into the big-hearted heart of Nevada. Nevada is yours to explore with 10 iconic road trips, Full of uncommon curiosities and delightful contradictions. Engines roaring, hearts, and mountain bluebirds soaring. Nevada is everything but boring. It's full of wide open wonder. In fact, there are 60 million acres of public space to explore and adventure. This is the place to discover something strange, to feel intrigued, and to feel alive, and to leave better for it. Nevada's heart is historic and here and now down to earth and out of this world, neon lit and starlit too. Nevada is a place where you can be you or explore a new side of you and do the things you'd never thought you'd do. Find unexplained art, have a pecan punch to fill your heart. Go on, get a little out there. Start planning your trip at travelnevada.com. All right, everybody, welcome back. And we're just kind of basking in the glow of what was really a, a really exciting sprint race. Final sprint race of the year, of course. And it, like we were saying, Bob, it was it was exciting. We had something to, to it, when they're that exciting and they're that short, it felt like about a 10-minute race, didn't it? 
Right, exactly. Hang on, honey. Leave the car running. We're almost done. <laughs> um, yeah, it was. And before we leave the Haas team, uh, we're reminded by Chris that uh, Haas has filed a, a an appeal, a, a complaint about um, the Mexico City race, where several teams pointed out that a lot of guys were were going four off, were violating the track limits rule and not being nicked for it. Um, Actually, sorry, it was the Austin race that they thought, particularly Sergio Perez would uh, got away with with going off a number of times, which might change the results if it was upheld. And I think if my math is right, that that would push Nico Hulkenberg, at least, up into the points. And, of course, that has the knock-on effect of helping the team in the championship, maybe get them off the bottom of the constructor standings. Yeah, yep. That will be interesting to see what that's all about. I just saw I saw Chris tweeting about that earlier, and I haven't mm-hmm. I haven't looked into that to see what's going on. But, um, but I'm just thinking about the weekend in general, these sprints, and you know the sprint shootout again. I guess the 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 board it really boils down to is you've got you can sit and watch practices, and the cars you know the the teams love that of course because they don't have any prep, but. I, I still kind of lean towards the fact that I really like the sprint weekend. I I like the fact that they're not every single weekend. Right. But I, I think I, I think I like it. I don't, I don't think, you know, like MotoGP has done that, Bob, they do it every single weekend, right? They've gone right. to that. But mm-hmm. what about you as, as far as the format goes? Well, I'm okay with it, but then suddenly today the, uh, the rumor broke that, the, uh, the powers that be want to talk with the teams about changing up that format a little bit, basically just reversing the qualifying sessions. Friday afternoon, you know, have the morning Friday practice, free practice one. Friday afternoon, qualify for the sprint. Then Saturday morning, hold the sprint race. Saturday afternoon, qualify for the Grand Prix in the usual format. And then Sunday you have the the big feature race, so um, yeah, I I think that might be a good move. Yeah, well we'll see. But uh, I I thoroughly enjoyed it this weekend. I thought that I don't know maybe it was just because it's Interlagos and all of that mystique and history. But but I see that Chris, Chris. But yeah, Chris Medlin has joined us. How are you, Mister Medlin? I'm very well, thanks, chat. Sorry, I was a bit late to the party, but I've had to relocate after getting a report done and uh yeah it took a little while to get set up but it's uh, strange to be joining you guys and being in vision um <laughs> yeah i didn't have the excuse of running around a paddock to being late this time i know i was just you made me smile seeing your smiling face pop up and what is it is it dark there oh yeah pitch black yeah, actually yeah. if i get if we get interrupted by some uh fireworks i'm very sorry but there's a lot of that going on at the moment so the dog's just uh warily hiding in the studio here with me oh gosh <laughs> Well, Chris, we were just we were just talking about the race today. I said it felt like about a 10-minute race because it was so action-packed. It really was, but it was action that didn't interrupt anything, wasn't it? I was looking and I thought, I don't think a single driver got serious damage. I don't know if there was maybe a front wing end plate clipped off somewhere or something like that. But uh, everyone right. seemed to keep it clean, even though there's some properly good racing. And I noticed on the commentary as well that even right down to Holkenberg trying to hold off the Alfa Romeos and Logan Sargent in the closing laps, they were saying how hard they were all fighting for positions. So uh, it was great that there was always something going on. I know a lot of people will be bored by Max winning again and 
certainly with that start. But behind that, certainly there were some excellent fights and, and just great to see that drivers were willing to really push the whole way and try and try and understand it rather than just settling in for, OK, we're not going to score any points, so we'll just cruise home. Yeah, and it didn't seem like it was all DRS driven. You know, it seemed like proper racing, didn't it? Yeah, I think what helps here is the fact that the DRS has the two consecutive zones, but with two different activation points. So if you do get ahead of a car into turn one, then the car behind can come back at you into turn four. And in a sense, that's similar to what it would be like if you didn't have DRS and slipstreams would have right. come into play. But when the slipstream isn't powerful enough, the DRS is helping. So, yeah, I think it worked quite nicely in that sense. And it bodes well for tomorrow because you'd imagine people are going to be pushing even harder, chasing the, the bigger points. Yeah, that was fun to watch on a number of occasions when we saw two cars, nose to tail, pass the DRS point side by side, and then to go down the following straightaway, and both of them open their rear wings. As you say, that's it's kind of a wash at that point. It's almost like you didn't have DRS. Absolutely, yeah. It's just the way that we also had uh, a few times <clears throat> that even into the then the middle sector, Drivers were thinking, okay, I can catch someone out here. I can get a move done down the inside. We're seeing different lines being taken. I think overheating was a bit of an issue, it sounds like, today, in terms of not just the rear tyres, which was definitely an issue for certainly the likes of Lewis Hamilton, uh, but in terms of keeping the, the cars, the engines cool, uh, like we talked about a lot in Mexico. So with mm -hmm. that, uh, I think it meant that drivers were looking for clean air, but it's a track that allows you to take different lines with the cambers and the grip levels and still stay close. So, uh, yeah, really, really worked well. Mm -hmm. Also, guys, Chris, is this when's the last time we finished a race or sprint that we're not waiting on some sort of steward's decision right now? Is there no. any? Did I miss any? <laughs> uh, there aren't any. I was just checking my uh, my emails, actually. That's why I was a bit slow getting to Bob's point, because I just thought I'd have a quick look to make sure I'd not missed anything. Uh, and in that race, there was a grand total of one deleted lap time. Wow. Uh, and it was it was Logan Sargent uh, early in the race. I think it was lap two yeah. at, at mm -hmm. turn one. And it was just that I, the way I read it, I think looking at the, the sectors and the splits, I think he was attacking Zhou Guan Yu uh, for what would have been 19th and ended up cutting turn two. So probably e either he made for a lunge down the inside of one and went deep or was forced wide on the exit. But either way, missed the apex of two. Uh, that cost him quite a chunk of time, actually. I remember he went a few seconds down and, and came back at them. Uh, but that's the only time a, a single lap time was deleted. So no other driver exceeded track limits at any stage either, which was remarkable. Yeah. Uh, what about, I never heard any more about that radio message about Botas. Who was it? Um, was it Albon talking about Botas's car leaking oil? Yeah, he was. He was complaining that there was uh, oil coming out the back of it and uh, haven't actually yet got. In fact, I might be able to find out what Albon's had to say post-race uh, to see if there was any any update on that from him. But it was sometimes that's going to get given anyway as a, an attempt to try and get a driver sort of pulled into the pits to be checked or to get the, the stewards to look <laughs> at them. Uh, they, they try all sorts of tricks. And the Ferrari engine does emit a little bit of smoke or almost looks like steam the color of it yeah. uh, from the rear we've we've noticed it on slow-mos quite regularly and it has for the last few years and yeah. i wonder if he was seeing that if he was close enough behind and was seeing that and used that as an attempt to say oh it's leaking something <laughs> yeah well it'd be really fun if instead of an alfa romeo leaking oil it had been an aston martin 
which would have been right in line with James Bond's DB4 in the early <laughs> Sean Connery movies, where that was one of his defensive mechanisms was a <laughs> out the back of the of the Aston. Always <laughs> wanted one of those. Guys. I'm I'm envisioning the little panel, the secret panel on the dash, flipping over, and all the the choices of. Of, the uh, cool buttons. Of, yeah, the cool buttons with oil or machine, machine guns. guns. Yeah. <laughs> Smoke. So I was going to say that's that's much more James Bond than Mario Kart, which is what where my head went for a second there. But yeah, same sort of thing. That's a defense mechanism, isn't it? You can just drop a bit of oil yeah. and see if they can handle it behind you. Yeah. Well, remember, Ferrari was also getting. Well, they came into suspicion. I don't remember how the whole thing resolved itself for burning oil in the combustion process to get yeah. a little bit of extra oomph. So, you know, there's nothing new under the sun in Formula One. Yeah, they were accused of, of burning oil as a fuel, essentially. <laughs> that was, I mean, that was the the one that I never heard the result of. I don't know if anybody did about the, the deal that they made because they were so fast that year. Remember, what was that, 19 or something? But anyway, they were yeah. so well, fast. That was, and... a, that was a fuel flow meter adjustment shall we yeah. say yes yeah uh anyway. maybe a clever way of bypassing certain uh sensors right, right. but um that was one that uh, as i understand it i think ferrari also then showed the fia a few tricks and tips of how their regulations had holes in them so uh it's, right. it's kind of how it should be <laughs> that there should be a bit more open dialogue i think that says okay we don't want you doing this but how are you doing it so we can stop rather right. than just yeah. always cutting corners so uh yeah that was yeah. that was an interesting one the, the FIA were very smart with that, I remember as well, at dropping the press release to say they'd reached an agreement. Literally, I think, five minutes after the final day of preseason testing ended in Barcelona to, before <laughs> everyone went to Australia. So you had the biggest gap in time between events for people to try and follow it up. You had everyone flat out working on the final day of testing and trying to see what had gone on. You had a lot of teams leaving very quickly as well, so they weren't around to really pester the FIA. And then the next time everyone reconvened was Melbourne for the first race. And of course, there's a huge amount of focus on the race itself. So it right. was, it seemed to be well-timed to try and get the least amount of coverage. But yeah, as, as pointed out, we haven't, we haven't forgotten. That's a big rule in politics and PR. You know when right. the news cycle begins and ends and then sneak in after it ends. Yeah, drop hey, Chris, that release on Friday afternoon at four o'clock. Right. Never make the evening news and then it's Monday before you know it. You've been chasing rumors, like everybody in your line of work, I suppose, about Aston Martin. Where's the team going? Where's Alonso going? Yada yada yada. What What's the latest? What do we know? Yeah, I mean, uh, the term <laughs> rumors, uh, I do have to kind of almost take exception to. So, in the sense that it was Sunday night, leaving Mexico City, and mm -hmm. there was a, a tweet from Albert Fabrega, who's a really well-respected technical journalist and uh, Spanish-speaking journalist who does some work with Formula One. Uh, and Albert just said, I don't want to believe the rumor I've just heard in the paddock. No. And that's all it said in Spanish. So no context, no other detail. And it's like, well, that's strange. And I genuinely was concerned somebody had maybe died or, you know, really become very unwell because of the wording. Yeah. Of it. I just thought, you know, if you mm -hmm. really don't want to believe it. So to the extent I just messaged him and said, your, your tweet, is it about a sporting thing or is it something more serious? Uh, and he said, I don't want to say because it might not happen. And that said to me okay uh, it's not it's not a, such a serious thing so i said to him oh, right. i was worried that someone had um had actually died and uh he said oh no nothing like that so then i was like well then that's a bit of an odd thing to put out there if, if there's no substance you, you're not backing up with any information mm. bit strange right uh but you know as we're saying the amount of rumors that then were triggered because 
because there was nothing there, there's a whole void to be filled. Fans mm. and anybody was trying to come up with a reason of what it could be. Uh, and I that evening I found out that it was meant to be to do with Perez. So that's what that tweet was supposed to be about. So in a sense, anything else that's a rumor that's come up in the, in the week following has even less kind of founding in actuality mm-hmm. because uh, it was meant to be to do with Perez. It that is not correct as, as far, you know, it's it's not something that I've managed to dig up anything on. I've asked Red Bull, I've asked people within Perez's team and been firmly told mm-hmm. no change to his future, to his setup, that he'll be in the car next year. I think, you know, fair enough. If he had three shockers, then maybe something would change. But as it stood yeah. at that point, when that tweet came out, there was nothing in it. Uh, so then, yeah, Aston Sale rumours, I don't believe there's any foundation in that right now. I think there's been too much investment. I think the timing of that sale, if there were to be one, would be if and when Andretti was denied an entry because that would increase the value of every existing team. So right now you wouldn't look to sell because technically if Andretti did get in, then anyone else who wants a Formula 1 team could go, oh, well, actually, we'll just try and enter as as our own team or at least bring a few hundred million dollars off the price of Aston Martin. So that timing doesn't make sense. Uh, and Alonso to Red Bull definitely doesn't make sense. And Alonso is very annoyed about that. So, uh, yeah, actually, like <laughs> yeah, in a sense, no rumours. <laughs> Just rumours about rumours potentially existing. Right. Yeah. And Abu Dhabi will happen after all. There was talk about the <laughs> yeah. uh, late unpleasantness knocking that off the schedule. Yeah, yes, we that was the only one that was actually a rumour that did reach me on that Sunday night when I asked about what Albert had been on about. Someone said, the only thing uh-huh. I've heard is maybe uncertainty over Abu Dhabi. And when I chased that, they said no. It was a, a change in foreign office advice here in the UK that brought it in line with a number of other places we already go racing. So nothing that's actually more severe than anywhere else. But a few people jumped mm-hmm. on that, did two plus two and got five and uh, wrote stories that it was going to get cancelled. So F1 were very quick to shut that down. Yeah. All right, guys. Good on uh, Coming up after this... <coughs> We will continue to break down what we saw today in the sprint race. We'll talk some more about the uh, the weekend and the race coming up tomorrow. Listen to Speed City F1 back after this. And the Facebook. Uh, let's see what the boys are saying out there, boys and girls. Joe of Oyster Bay, Bob, says... Uh, Give him enough tired. I'm with Bob. Chris, you missed it. Bob threw out a hot take and said, let's just do away with tire rules. He said, because he said it felt like that today. It kind of felt like, you know, the the, the fact that they, could, they had the freedom to do whatever they wanted. But um, Joe likes your idea, Bob. Yeah. Well, we knew nobody was going to pit today because you couldn't. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think, you know, give him a little freedom on the tire front. That's a very politically incorrect thing to say right now, I suppose. But, you know, if guys are really going to go out and, you know, get after it, then why not? Yeah, it seemed to hurt things in the sprint shootout, didn't it, in qualifying when Mm -hmm. uh, it it looked like there was enough new soft tyres around for everyone to go out and be as fast as possible. Uh, And instead, Ferrari saved a set for tomorrow. Uh, Alpha Tauri saved a set for the sprint itself. But flip side is you then get a variety of strategies in the race for a bit more. So... Uh, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, the one worry I have, and I'm with you on this, Bob, is when they don't have enough, they do not ride right. for that reason. And that's frustrating. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's okay. the last thing FOM wants to see. You want more action, not less. Oh, I like what I like what Dean Nelson, I mean, he, he's agreeing with us. He says, uh, he's talking about the Ferrari burning oil. He said it, it exploited the rate of fuel flow sensor. Brilliant exploit. And basically agreeing that with us. I like that. That's good, D. 
He also said, I'm worried about Mercedes tomorrow burning through their tires so quickly. It does not bode well for tomorrow. Yeah, Chris, we were talking about how Alphatari was was able, it looked like or felt like they were able to manage their tires better. Yeah, they definitely, they definitely looked like they were. Well, yeah. time the dogs will start barking. Here we go. That's okay. We'll just say we're outdoors. Hi, this is Max Steppen, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, welcome back. We earlier today watched Max Verstappen win the final sprint race of the year in Brazil at the iconic, fantastic Interlagos circuit. And he held off Max, held off Lando Norris. Uh, finishing, final finishing gap was 4.2 seconds, over 24 laps. So, uh, yeah, I guess uh, if you do the math on that, that's kind of been the gap that we've seen a lot this year, right, guys? And uh, uh, what do y'all think about Sergio Perez's race? We really haven't talked about him. He was able to to climb up to to finish third. And, you know, he continues, in my mind, he's, he needs to be he, – he needs some good races. And I think you could count this one as that. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I mean, it's the first time he's finished in the top three, isn't it, since Monza when he was second in the Grand Prix. And in that car, he needed that. Uh, especially yeah. as well if we go back six days and the start in Mexico and how damaging that could have been. Uh, and I think what's been impressive actually this weekend, listening to Checo speak, is he's he's used it as an opportunity that he's actually said, it's great that we're here and I can get back in the car and, and go and kind of erase that memory or, or move on from it quickly because right. his performance was good in Mexico until that contact uh, for the rest mm-hmm. of the weekend. So we obviously never yeah. saw that full race pace. So uh, I think this was... I'd say this was solid. I think a little bit disappointing in the sense that if you look at the pace Lando had as well, Lando and Max were in a, in a race of their own. Uh, they were, yes. what, nearly 10 seconds up the road at the flag uh, and Norris yeah. had dropped off a little bit there. So I feel like I'd want to see a bit more from Checo tomorrow, but maybe he thought by the time he got into third that there just wasn't any value in him trying yeah. to close that gap and he'd have been in more trouble if he did. Yeah, and then we're back to the whole tire degradation issue and what he had under him. Because there was some real close quarter stuff there for a while. And he, you know, he was right in the middle of the cut and thrust of passing and repassing. And it was clean and it looked good. He actually got out of it once or twice when it looked like he might do something impetuous like he did on lap one, turn one uh, in Mexico last week. Um, but, yeah, it was a well-judged race. And, you know, I, I agree that uh, it probably did him some good. It also opens the gap, doesn't it, a little bit to Lewis Hamilton and the points uh, standings. So with yeah, he, Hamilton stepping back, yeah, that yep. that's going to almost, I'm just trying to do the maths as quickly as possible and my maths probably aren't quite quick enough, but I think it nearly pulls in uh, a full race win ahead of Lewis. So the gap was 20 points. It's now 24. So it's close, um, which, yeah, that's a, that's a key number, isn't it, at this stage of the season when you've only got so few races left. Right. Yeah. Hey, Chris, I'm before, looking, looking. before you came on, we were talking about AlphaTauri a lot because I mean, it's just really impressive. Yuki, both of them battling with Mercedes and Ferrari and Yuki finishing sixth and sixth and <laughs> Ricardo in ninth. Uh, and there's no points for Ricardo today in the sprint, but really impressive, wasn't it? Yeah, massively. I mean, yeah, Ricardo, I think, was left frustrated because I was keeping a real close eye on the sector times. And I think he had the pace to get sights on that final lap. 
and would have had a chance out of the final corner on the run to the finish line. As much as the finish line comes up a bit earlier than you'd want, because you know you, you normally get your move done into turn one, still a long enough run to get a slipstream, and he had better traction. Obviously, they had new tires compared to used for pretty much everyone around them, uh, but they're still on softs. But it was that uh, Hamilton was slowing um, because he was struggling so much and dropped back to Science and gave, you know, unintentionally gave Science DRS on that final run and a slipstream. So Science was then able to hold off Ricardo. Uh, but I just think that Alpha Tauri have found, and some say this is down to Ricardo coming back as well in his experience, but a real sweet spot with that upgraded car now. Uh, you know, they upgraded it back in Singapore, but they seem to have just got stronger and stronger and stronger over the last few races. And bit of a an unknown how good they could have been in Austin because Ricardo was just getting back in the groove and had some damage in the race. But Mexico, right. obviously, both were very quick. Yuki should have scored points in the race if he hadn't had contact yeah. with, with Piastri. Uh, and then today, mm-hmm. exactly the same. And what's great for that team is that both drivers are performing on basically the same level. And we, mm-hmm. we talked up Ricardo, didn't we, last week? What a great performance he put in, both in qualifying and the race. But Sonoda has, has beaten him all day today um not by a lot but he has beaten him and, and did as well yesterday didn't he out qualified him i think by over a tenth so um it's yeah it's it's showing well for them that they have two cars that can score now with the car that quick yeah it's a kind of an interesting chemistry the two of them have yuki has been very complimentary of ricardo since he came back and i think maybe ricardo provides a certain amount of i don't know leadership or big brother or uh you know, he loves to laugh. It just lightens the mood entirely, you know, when he's not scrapping against DeVries or, or you know, one of his previous colleagues. Um, and Ricardo is just easy for him to get along with. And as you say, the the drivers are both operating at a similar level. So he's got that, that carrot right in front of him. You know, he's not a mile up the road. He's right here. And that encourages Yuki to, to go get him. Hey, Chris, we touched on this earlier in the show, but we needed your uh investigative skills and all of that about the Haas protest in fact i learned about it when you tweeted about it what what's going on there yeah you needed me not to be late didn't you that would have helped um (laughs) so it was actually i remember the first kind of inkling of this i got was sunday night in austin so it's the u.s grand prix uh race result that's been i say protested Haas are trying to get uh, an investigation opened up that would allow them to change that result but you have to the the way the process works is you have to prove that you have new evidence that wasn't available at the time and if you can prove that that evidence exists then the FIA will allow a new investigation to open up and then you can have that investigation so it's like a two-step process to actually get anything to change or any penalties to be handed out but it was Sunday night in Austin and it was another team it wasn't Haas that messaged me uh, actually sent me quite a few screenshots from onboards of different cars one of which was Sergio Perez cutting turn six a lot on regular occasions now i didn't have access to the same footage i couldn't go through it all i couldn't then go and check how many other cars were maybe doing the same because otherwise it seems a bit unfair if you just single out perez but knowing that they were onto this and that they you know i did ask the team they said yes we sent it to the stewards and they weren't interested apparently uh so i did make the point when the race result was made official that actually there looked to have been something brewing with track limits still and not every team was happy with the way they were handled I also remember Alex Albon having already got a penalty, then being investigated for another track limits infringement, and the steward saying there's not enough evidence to prove whether he was or wasn't off, so we're not going to give a penalty, which must have annoyed teams behind. Now, Haas 
finished 11th with Nico Hulkenberg. So they, they stand to gain. He was within five seconds of Albon. Uh, they stand mm-hmm. to gain points if Albon were to be penalised for that. Perez was in the points as well, although a long way up the road. But if there were multiple infringements, that could be multiple penalties. So it does seem that Haas has looked at all the footage, I think. They've just taken a couple of weeks and it's been very busy, hasn't it, with back-to-back with three races in a row. And mm-hmm. they've gone, we actually feel <clears throat> there's enough here to to change this result. You've missed a load of times that people should have been penalised. And I assume they've also checked their own drivers to make sure they wouldn't get caught in it themselves. But, but the, the problem is if that footage is all footage that was available to the stewards at the time, whether the stewards mm-hmm. were, were right or wrong to make the call they made, if it's not new evidence, nothing will change because they won't open up the review in the first place. So the evidence needs to be new and that's the, the tricky part. So waiting to hear more yeah. in terms of when this hearing will take place to see if there is new footage. But it, it could be that they wait until after this weekend and do it in the gap between here and Vegas because now that the appeal has been lodged, then uh, they can take a little bit longer to, to work on that. Mm. There was some discussion that they didn't have an appropriate camera angle and and the FIA said, okay, we're going to we're going to ch- adjust the camera angles next year so we have a better look at turn six, whether or not that's going to help Haas in their current situation. It's kind of like the legality plank thing all over again. Well, you checked Lewis and you checked um, Lando, but how about the other 18 cars in the field? Maybe theirs was worn too. So yeah. that's probably an argument you're never going to win. Well, there's something that Toto Wolf said just very briefly because I know we're nearly out of time, but he said last week that speaking to other teams you kind of picked up that multiple teams would have been penalized if their planks had been checked in austin but once the result was final and also you didn't have that evidence and none of those teams were checked then you don't get a penalty so that's why that doesn't get reopened either because yeah that could have been looked at and wasn't Hmm. my my take on that was i was really kind of stunned the way total wolf was like they didn't complain they all he said was yeah we 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 broke the rules. It made me suspicious the way he acquiesced so quickly. But hey, uh, we're almost out of time, and I promised at the last break that we talk about the upcoming race tomorrow. But we have plenty of time tomorrow because we are going to do two hours of pre-show tomorrow. So if you can tune in early, you can tune in at uh, ten a.m. Eastern time tomorrow, and we're going to do two hours. We also have a special guest. We've got Connor Daly going to be joining us and because he's going to be uh in the booth at vegas helping uh, bob and jonathan and the boys do pa out there so but thanks but thanks everybody for tuning in today and we will see you bright and early tomorrow thanks and we'll talk to you then